Hello, hello, and good evening, or good morning, or good afternoon. I don't know when you're listening to this. You could be listening to this live. The chances are pretty slim because we didn't give you any warning. But uh, you, the most likely, <laughs> the likelihood of this is going to be you listening to this on a on a post record. Um, so I hope you are all well. We are here with episode four of. Uh, Opposites Attack, which I didn't change on the title of the stream, which I've just done now. Live editing, live editing. That's the reason why I was like, hmm, it's episode four, isn't it? Yeah. It's not like, it's not like Ryan when he starts putting it in the Discord after episode two and be like talking about how episode four is now on. It's like, okay, so we're just like missing a couple, are we? All right, brilliant. Um, so, yes, uh, we've had lots. We've got lots to talk about. We've obviously got the uh, the English teams in Europe. We're going to uh, briefly discuss those. We've got the uh, a full weekend of Premier League games, including two Derbies, uh, the uh, Merseyside Derby and the Manchester Derby. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that all goes down. And we've got lots to discuss and lots to... And also what we're going to do is as well, lots of effort has been actually put into uh, what sort of what we're going to be talking about and all the points. They're actually going to release that information after the podcast has been released onto the website. So if you want to see any of that info, then you can actually do that because it's got some fantastic points. Uh, Ryan and Ritty also, I, I, I think it's a fantastic idea to put it on there. Uh, to show off what he can do. So, uh, Ryan, what has your week been like? What have you been doing? What have you been doing with yourself? The majority of it is just uh, work, 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 work. Fun. Brilliant. <laughs> wow. Mind blown. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can you calm it down? Jesus, you need to calm it down, mate. You really do. You're living life on the edge right now. Wild, wild lifestyle of just That's it. Work, coming home. What? Oh, oh. oh no. but, but, but this weekend was WrestleMania weekend, so it's been like long days of like, I was up Saturday, uh, so Sunday night I was up until five o'clock, Saturday night I was up until about half three, and then, uh, well, the weekend was just very long, and then today's just been, man, I will have to deal with 40 children I had today at Jesus Christ. activities, which is just like, leave me alone. I'm not yeah. great with children. Yeah, no, I'm not great with children. Uh, Dimmock, Dimmock works with children, funny enough, actually. And he said to me the other day that uh, he gets really fed up with them on, on their mobile phones all the time, like doing with their thumbs. So I said, just cut off all their thumbs. Yeah. I said, cut off all of their thumbs. Then they can't fuck around with their phones anymore. They won't want to use them because they ain't got no thumbs. Yeah. And he said, that sounds like a great idea. I said, it's brilliant. And if anybody asks you who did it, you just, you plausible deniability. You just go, I don't have no idea. No idea what happens. If anybody dogs you in it, just kill them. Just kill them off. Just kill them now. This is the reason why, probably, maybe, that I can't work with children. Just putting it out there. I'll probably kill them. I might, I might have to kill you. If you don't shut up, I will kill you. All right? Just putting that one out there. <laughs> so, uh, my weekend consists of uh, doing a bit of work here and there. Um, met up with a, with a friend on the Friday, went for drinks and stuff. And then did what every 31-year-old would do. Went back round here and played video games till the early hours of the morning, getting a cab home at four. Uh, then, yeah, pretty much worked, uh, you know, over the weekend. Had some drinks and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I was just enjoying the enjoying the football, to be perfectly honest with you, which we're going to be discussing uh, here right now. Oh, uh, two other little things. I got a haircut, which is like the shortest it's ever been in the sp- in the past six, seven years. So I've been with uh, with my other half for about yeah, coming up to six years now. She's never seen it this short in the entire existence that we've been in the relationship. So she's like, "Whoa, that is really short fucking hair. What's going on there?" And also, I got a really good deal on Boohoo today, which I was really, really happy about. 
two shirts and a jumper for like 30 quid. I was like, yeah, is score. Winning. Winning at life. Uh, and uh, next day delivery for one pound. So I'm getting, there to, getting them tomorrow. So I'm really happy about that. That's it. That's how exciting. That's how exciting our lives are. How do you not want to know about this shit? Seriously. Oh, and I did some streaming today. I did some football manager streaming. That was fun. Did the Derby save and just wanted to kill every single member of the Derby save. There is one thing I'm not going to be doing. There is going to be one thing I'm not doing. I looked at the contract clauses in uh, Andre Wisdom, who's come from Liverpool. He's been out on loan for years, but he's from Liverpool and he's been uh, he's basically been bought by Derby. They've put in like four or five different stipulations in his contract every 50 games. They'll pay a quarter of a million pounds. And I'm like, what? So basically what I'm saying is Andre Wisdom is no longer getting game time and he's now being <laughs> sold because I'm not paying. I'm not paying, uh, you know, half a million pounds to uh, keep a very subpar player in the team. I'm just not doing it. I can't do it. I can buy out the clause for like 197 grand. But that's still a lot of money when I've got 1.7 in the kitty and the and the overall budget of the club is 6 million. So, yeah. <laughs> Bye bye, Andre Wisdom. You've been a you've been a fantastic servant to the club. I've been I've been playing him out of position, of course, like I do. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's been all right, but no, nah, he's gonna have to say goodbye to Andre Wisdom. But that's just the derby save. If you want to check that out, the links are down below for my Twitch. Uh, you can catch that um, and basically follow me on Twitter as well at Just Deacon. So if you want to watch the derby save and me bitch and moan uh, at these fucking overpaid players, including Darren Bent, who's on loan at Burton Albion, but we're still paying his thirty grand a week contract. I'm not bitching anymore. Moving on. Anyway, <laughs> here we go. So, right. Moving swiftly on into the episode. Okay, the episode being the Derbies. The Derbies. That's what we're going to call the episode. We're going to call it the Derbies because it's not every it's not every time you get to see uh, two uh, Derbies, one of them being very drab and one of them being super exciting. It's, uh, it's a real contrast. But anyway, we'll first talk about Premier League teams in Europe. Obviously, the uh, the two teams, well, there's three teams, obviously, at the moment in Europe, and you can count Arsenal, who are in the Europa League, just to shut the fuck up. Uh, Liverpool versus Manchester City. Ryan, I did not see that one coming. No, nobody saw that coming. I mean, we were streaming i think we were streaming. yeah 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 yeah. we were and i was yeah i was like oh my god oh my god what's going on crazy insane it's it's interesting and now manchester city it seems if teams can play against them in the way that liverpool did or the way the man united did in the second half sure the manchester derby then maybe we might not see them as good next season well, that's it. That's it, isn't it? Um, everybody's talked about Manchester City obviously being in Europe, how strong they are at home, but uh, everybody still isn't really... And this was before the Liverpool game. They were still saying, I don't see them doing as good as uh, in Europe as they would do in England. Um, and that's the same with PSG. They're obviously very good domestically, but the moment they branch out, they just absolutely... My favourite word of the week is capitulate. Great word. Love that word. Great word. 
So I'm just going to be using that one quite a lot. I've, I, I, I say it all the fucking time. It's my new favourite word. It's not like a new word I've learned. It's not like it's not like I watch Sesame Street, like the adult version, where it starts <laughs> teaching you like C's for capitulate. It's like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, great word. I'm going to stick that in every single sentence that I can possibly think of and then go from there. But yeah, uh, Liverpool took a firm grip of their Champions League quarterfinals against Manchester City and they were torn apart by... Three goals, uh, uh, three burst goals, basically, from Jurgen Klopp's side within the first 31 minutes at Anfield. Obviously, uh, Liverpool did have home ground advantage, but I really, I don't know if I can see. But then saying that, Man City defensively is probably a lot stronger than Liverpool defensively. And that says a lot about the game that's just been played. Uh, Liverpool defensively, Virgil, Virgil van Dijk is just, he's not really... He scored more own goals than, you know, he scored quite a few own goals. He's going, he's following Jamie Carragher's tradition beautifully. Um, but uh, Liverpool in Klopp's trademark style never backed, uh, never took a backward step. You know, they got that real aggressive style of defending from the front. Uh, they uncovered an approach that rattles City, basically something that maybe Man City have not really seen before this season. Uh, in a manager that pretty much escaped all of Guardiola's uh, opposites in stellar uh, seller season for his side. So, what do you what did you make of the uh, of the the fact the fact that you know the the goals were scored in the first thirty one minutes of the game? I think it just shows like a lot of teams have been scared of Man City this season. Granted, Man City absolutely. That's a really really good point. That's actually I didn't Everybody think of that. Everybody away. Yeah. And Klopp's gone. Well, we're not going to win the Premier League this year. Mm. We're not going to win the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. The Champions League. Absolutely massive trophy. Let's go out there and just take the game to City. And the first 31 minutes, they absolutely took the game to City. And it reminded me of the football that Pep likes. Press, press, press. If they've got the ball, get the ball off them within seven seconds. And that is exactly what Liverpool were doing. You didn't allow them to do that pass, 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 pass. Didn't allow them to do it. The players just got on top of them and didn't allow them to play their football. And Man City were like, whoa what the shit is going on and suddenly they were three goals down and well in my opinion game over game over at that point uh, another yeah. fantastic stat that you've put down here all of Man City's shots went wide of the target it's the first time uh, this season that they failed to get a shot on target I, considering that the strike force that they've got obviously I know Aguero's out injured at the moment I believe uh, but when you've got the likes of uh, Sané and uh, who else Aguero, Agu- well, Aguero. Jesus. Uh, Jesus Navas of course um, Gabriel Jesus, not Jesus Navas. Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel, there's so many Jesuses. So many, we'll just call them Jesus. Anyway, there was so many striking options. Uh, Sterling um, has been playing out of his skin. And I still believe that the reason why Man City didn't really go for Alexis Sanchez in the summer is because Sterling was doing such a sterling job. <sighs> sorry uh sorry very british joke i apologize um so anyway but yeah no i i believe the reason why they didn't really go in for him because obviously in the summertime they went in a 60 million bid which was denied by arsenal but in the winter time they were only going to go up to 20 million pounds which i can understand obviously because the player was going to be free within six months time but if you want your man you need to pay for your man and the swap deal for mkhitaryan to uh, to obviously Arsenal and, and Alexis Sanchez to Manchester United uh, turned out to be a fantastic deal uh, for Arsenal, especially the fact that now Mkhitaryan has uh, won Player of the Month twice for Arsenal fans. Arsenal fans, so there's in-house voting for their players. So the Arsenal Player of the Month 
for two times in a row has been Mkhitaryan. He's been absolutely blinding and done really, really well. Um, better than Alexis Sanchez, that's uh, safe to say. Um, but uh, do you think it's purely for that that ideology of getting the ball within seven seconds? Do you think that was what absolutely just star-shocked Man City and reduced their strike force to quivering children? It was. I mean, I looked, I looked back at not all of the games at Man City played this season before actually writing about this actual game. And a lot of the games they've had over 60% possession. Lovely. A lot of people think you've got 60% possession purely, purely, surely you've got to win the game. This shows, and Leicester showed last season, and other teams have showed, you do not need possession of the ball to win a game. You need to take your opportunities to win a game. Liverpool took the opportunities in the first 31 minutes. Now they're 3-0 up. Pep Guardiola shot himself in the foot because he said that I'm going to prioritise the Liverpool game because we need to win the Champions League. You've just lost 3-0. Well done, Pep. Well, it didn't help them in the league, didn't it? It didn't help them in the league. So uh, everything you just said there, I recorded that and I'm now WhatsApping it to Arsene Wenger. Possession doesn't just generally <laughs> win games. Uh, Liverpool are unbeaten at home in the European competition since October 2014. Another brilliant stat there. Um, losing 3-0 to Real Madrid. And they've extended their run to 15 games at Anfield, 10 wins and 5 draws. So it's not like a, they've got more draw, drawn games. It's, they, they're winning games. They're doing the business. This is going to be fantastic if they you know, go past Manchester City. Uh, do you see them? Do you see them doing the business? Do you see them getting past... Man City going on and that unbeaten at home record for the European competition. They've got experience. Liverpool have got experience. Five Champions League trophies. They've got experience. They have. I mean, what I hope they don't do is go, we've got a 3-0 lead. Let's go and sit back and let Man City attack us. See, I don't, I mean, that's what, yeah. That's what Man City will want them to do. I don't think they'll do that, though. Just, just just, go out there, do what you did. Just in play football. Yep. Play football. And score two or three more goals. Two, well, I think one. More well, one goal more goal, goal, and they've got to they've got to score. It. Well, they've got to, if they score one more goal, um, they've got to score five. They've got to score five outright. They've got to score five outright. That would be crazy. What a game that will be. And attack them. If Man City overturn this, I think we're on for possibly the game of the year. I think, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, definitely that. So uh, that was a very interesting game. Uh, as I said, something that. Pep Guardiola didn't take maybe too seriously. I think he may have underestimated Liverpool, maybe. Hence the reason for the score. But I tell you what, it didn't help them in their their domestics. Um, obviously, we'll talk about the Manchester derby in a uh, in a little bit. So what we'll do now is we'll go into the Arsenal uh, game against uh, CSK Moscow. Uh, Arsenal four, Moscow one. Um, an amazing a game. I I was blown away. I will say one thing that the CSK Moscow free kick was beautiful. I will give him that. The the Laurent Koscielny tackle was the most dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, Mustafi and Koscielny and Xhaka, they can't clear anything. It's ridiculous. Um, so that was ridiculous. Arsene Wenger manager, uh, sorry, Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger says uh, that his side have done half the job after a spectacular first half performance. Saw the Gunners take control of their Europa League quarterfinal by demolishing uh, CSK Moscow in the first leg. Um, an absolute blinding game. Uh, this was the first time that Arsenal scored four goals in the first half of European games since 2004 against Rosenberg in the Champions League group stage. That's an interesting statistic. Obviously, Arsenal, since their, I think it was Huddersfield, they lost to? Was it Huddersfield? 
Memories, memories. Find out, find out for me. Uh, recent fixtures, recent Arsenal fixtures. Uh, results, sorry. Do Arsenal recent results. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Huddersfield where we lost and then we just went, right, fuck this. We're going to play some football and we're going to win some games. And then we went on to AC Milan and we demolished them and then we blow and so on and so on and so forth. Um, Arsenal have won three consecutive knockout games in European competitions for the first time since 1990, uh, when they won four successive matches in the UEFA Cup quarterfinals and semi-finals. Um, I really enjoyed the game. Obviously, um, it's it's very difficult to put it in the same light as the Champions League, but bear in mind this is obviously the first time that Arsenal have appeared in the Europa League for you know since Arsene Wenger's reign. So we're talking back to 1996. So it's an impressive feat within itself. You know, all those times when fans have taken the piss out of Arsenal fans going fourth place is not a trophy. I'd love to hear their conversation and their argument now. I'm not saying it is a trophy, but I'll tell you what, Champions League fucking helps. Um, the other games that uh, went on, Barcelona 4 versus Roma. I'm pretty sure Barcelona are going to be finishing that one off. Jaco being the only guy to get a sort of consolation goal. Um... Sevilla 1, Bayern Munich 2. Sevilla being the team that obviously recently knocked out Manchester United in the Champions League. Um, so they have got what it takes to be a, a high-level opposition. But I don't think that they will go to the Allianz Arena and get much out of Bayern Munich at home. It's a very difficult ground to go to. Um, I can see Bayern Munich going through quite comfortably, if I'm going to be honest. Um, Juventus nil, Real Madrid three. It's another replay of the Champions League final. Few, quite a few years ago. Now, when was this? Uh, a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Um, Juventus was kind of considered the underdog. Everyone was talking about, you know, the amazingness of Dybala and Higuain up top. But uh, in the final, it finished three nil. It was just they, they just didn't, they didn't have what it ta it took to finish the job to get it done Real Madrid's experience to just get it over the line and I think that was the that was the hat one of the hat tricks of Champions League trophies that they won wasn't it um they weren't doing very well domestically but Champions League wise Zidane was doing the business so I we can't have, we have to mention Ronaldo's goal as well oh and Ronaldo's overhead kick what? was just sublime wasn't it I just loved Zidane's reaction to be honest with you he was kind of going oh Oh, I love Zlatan's reaction on Twitter. It's like, very good goal, next time try it from 30 yards. Yeah, I know. Well, obviously, we're talking about the Zlatan Ibrahimovic-Sweden goal against England uh, many moons ago. I was watching it in a bowling alley, as you do. Um, so there we are. Obviously, Real Madrid are away. were away for that game, so they've got three away goals. I can see Real Madrid taking it back. Yeah, they're gonna they're taking back to the Manoir and just absolutely demolish uh, Juventus. Um, as much as I really do enjoy seeing Dybala play, I'd love to see him take the next step uh, and go to a uh, Galactico club. I'm not saying Real Madrid. I am, but I'm just saying a a bigger club. As not, I'm not saying that Juventus aren't a big club, but they're kind of like the uh, PSG, Man City, where they do very well domestically, but in Europe they they do struggle a little bit. I think it's the inexperience of their players, but that's not a bad thing. But uh, yes, so what we'll do now is we will go, uh, that's covered everything in uh, in Europe recently. Obviously, tonight there's some games. Uh, we're going to be uh, watching those closely um, and tomorrow night and obviously Thursday as well. Obviously, it's going to be very interesting watching the three clubs. Well, the Liverpool-Man City game is going to be incredible. I can't wait for that game. That's going to be insane. But we're going to be... to. 
Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be talking about the Premier League in just a second. But first, we're going to be going into uh, my uh, Arsenal rant, uh, which is going to be named Alba. As in Alabama, Alabama Young. See, that's the annoying thing. He's he's born in France, but his father is from uh, from Gabon. So he represented Gabon, even though he's good enough to obviously represent uh, represent France. He's more than good enough. He's like, I tell you what, if he was French, he would be their number one striker because Olivier Giroud's been the number one striker for many uh, for a few, quite a few years now. Uh, because Benzema is just an overrated pile of dog poo. And uh, Griezmann just hasn't got the right attitude, um, even though he does sometimes pair up with Giroud. Giroud is the number one man. So here we go. So this is uh, once again, as I said, this is like I'm, I'm new to writing blogs. I wanted to do it as sort of uh, test myself with writing, get better at just writing stuff down. I've got lots of what I've got lots of things that I want to say about Arsenal. So why not? Um a guy I thought I'd never see signed at the Arsenal while he was around. Not while I was around, because that doesn't make any sense. A world-class striker who knows how to score. Um, it's quite, a, a, on a tangent note, it's kind of interesting how fans uh, from opposing teams, when a player is signed, saying how penalty, you know most of his goals were scored by penalties. Like Lacazette, when he first came to Arsenal, uh, quite a few of his goals were scored by penalties. That's not a, necessarily a bad thing. The fact that he's con uh, you know, he's composed to put it into the back of the net from uh, from the penalty spot is probably uh, more difficult than doing it in play because he got more time to think. There's a more stress situation. Um, I'm sure Theo Walcott, that's the reason why he never took any penalties because if you get Theo Walcott to think, He'll get stressed and fall over the ball. Well, Ox still does this, but there we are. Um, anyway, uh, sounds odd, those words, but, you know, Kevin Davis was a striker. That's all I'll say. The guy got more red cards, I'm sure, than actual goals for his club. Um, started his career in Milan 2007 and then made a series of loans back to his home country of France at Dijon, Lille and Monaco and then making a permanent move to St. Etienne in 2011. This is when he started getting noticed. 41 goals in 97 appearances for his you know, for his first proper club, you know, not loan. And I'm talking permanent deal, proper deal. That's crazy. That's a crazy turnaround. And that was winning all competitions as well. Uh, Dortmund were the only ones, uh, you know, were the ones who made the risky call of bringing him into the German league in 2013. So he was only in St. Etienne for a couple of years. So he was bought out of his contract, you know, only after a couple of years. That's a bit crazy. Scored his first goal, his first goal with his first shot. At, uh, against FC Eisberg uh, when they went on to, and he went on to score a hat trick in his debut for the recent Champion League finalists. This is when they recently got to the Champions League final. Um, going on to score 141 in 213 goals. Crazy, crazy. Uh, this got Arsenal's attention. But I'll tell you what, I would never have seen this deal coming through if it wasn't for Sven, uh, Sven Mislintat. Definitely, not in a million years. Going back, though, 2009, chose to play for his father's country, Gabon, uh, and not his native of France, even though he'd played for them in youth level, scoring 23 in 56 for his country and getting them as far as fifth place in the African Cup of Nations in 2012. They haven't actually qualified for any of the uh, World Cups recently. And, in, and for some reason, in 2020, they've been banned. I don't know why. So maybe look into that. Gabon have been banned for the 2020 
to have a look into that. Um, to, uh, so also, Arsenal made the massive choice of bringing him in for £58 million on winter transfer deadline day 2018, which is the one we most recently talked about of £450 million being spent by all Premier League clubs in the winter transfer uh, deadline. Um, also, he's shown what it takes to make himself a legend at the Gunners, scoring six and assisting one in seven Premier League games. Obviously, we are all out of uh, all cup competitions, but uh, and also he can't, he's cup tied, he can't play in Europe. So Premier League is where he's only scoring. To the fact that, uh, you know, he's only playing Premier League games, he's scored six, and he could have scored seven, but we'll go on to that in just a second. He's already won the hearts of Arsenal faithful by giving up the chance to score his first hat-trick by giving up uh, by giving the second penalty up to Lacazette, who had just come back from injury from Stoke. Against Stoke, sorry. Lacazette was not having the best times before, as he was later found out playing for a few months with a knee injury. I've scored twice already, so I knew it would be good for his confidence, Aubameyang explained to the media. On giving Lacazette the penalty, it was this point Arsenal fans knew he was a special player on that. It was a special player on their hands. Well, more special than just his goal-scoring record. So I'm, I absolutely love the fact that we've signed Aubameyang, uh, and not purely for the fact that I can't, you know, I love him on FM. And uh, if I was playing FIFA, I'd be loving him as well because everybody likes to use Aubameyang. He's, uh, he's, he's one of those great strikers who's not only fast, but he can also put it into the back of the net. He's got that, you know, that poacher-esque mentality. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what a full season can do, considering he's only been at the club since February. Start of February, he's only been at the club since then, and he's already got, he could have been seven goals, but he's got six goals and one assist, and he's in seven games. So he's directly influenced seven goals in seven games. Crazy statistics. Um, but there we are. So we're going to move on now. And, uh, oh, you've, did you find out about the Gabon situation? Interesting, interesting. So uh, Gabon and Djibouti. Yeah, brilliant. I love how you just read. Yeah, you just run with that. You fucking brutalize that name. I'm sorry. I have no idea. D-J-I-B-O-U-T-I. Djibouti? Uh, have been banned from qualifying for the 2020 African... Brilliant, thanks. Africans Nations Championships. Uh, the move by the Confederation of... Uh, African football comes after both nations withdrew, uh, withdrew from the 2018 qualifiers uh, after they had started. Okay, so I've no idea why they why they withdrew, but that's the reason why they've been banned. Um, so it's it's quite interesting when you see uh, I don't know you see players of such a high stature playing for those big nations, saying oh I want to win the World Cup or the European Cup or whatever. What must be going through the head of someone like Aubameyang who He's never got the chance of win. Let's be honest. He's never going to have the chance to uh, win a major trophy with his country. It's a bit like uh, Mkhitaryan. He's won the Armenian Player of the Year for the eighth time in a year in the in a row. And I was like, no, it was like it was eight. It was, it was seven in a row, but he's won it eight times. And it's like, who else is Armenian? I'm just trying to like who the fuck. It's like it's like Kleb. He's the he was the Belarus Player of the Year for so many years. It's like. Who else is Belarusian? I've no idea who these players are. So, you know, I appreciate when people say these things, but it's a bit like, all right, fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, no, really, really interesting to see a player of his stature sort of kind of let that go. and fo But then maybe that's why he does so well domestically playing for club football, because he doesn't get distracted with the bullshit of uh, playing for the nation. 
or playing at a high level for the nation anyway. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the, the reason why he's done so well in his career. Maybe, I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, let's talk about the Premier League then. Um, we obviously had a couple of derbies, so that's always cool. Uh, we'll talk about the board draw version first. Um, that was Everton nil, Liverpool nil. Um, wow, what a game that was. Hey, Ryan, what a game. I'm surprised I've actually managed to get um, a few things down. I, I wrote more about what the actual manager said than the actual game. It was like nothing happened until the last 15 minutes when Everton like suddenly like, oh shit, we're playing a game and we're playing against Liverpool, our local rivals. Mm. It was just like, oh, like they're getting balls into the box. They were, they were like, and Theo Walcott was like, oh shit, shit I score goals or do I fall over? It was, like, oh. it was just some excellent saves by the goalkeepers, but it's just like what was what happened to the last seventy-five minutes? No crosses, just cautious play across the back. I'm gonna put it out there. I didn't watch it. It was. <laughs> it was, it was. Uh, I heard. I heard the talk, and I was like, ah, I'm not watching this shit. Uh, Toby, uh, how you doing, buddy? Welcome to the stream. Uh, Rami as well. Obviously, awesome. That's awesome. One. Uh, Ronaldo will. Uh, will Ronaldo score a better goal tomorrow night? I don't think so. I don't. Uh, not like he won't score a goal, but I don't think he'll score a better one than the overhead kick. I thought that was in, uh, very impressive. Galactico Club equals Arsenal. I like it. I like. Well, yeah. I, I like the fact that you awesome when you put uh, Arsenal as a Galactico club. I like that, man. I like that. I can, can I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Um, <laughs> whether it be true or not, that's neither here nor there. Um, game didn't come to light uh, until the first or so the final 15 minutes, as you were saying. Some excellent saves from both goalkeepers. They've been very cautious with their play. Maybe that's how they were were setting out. They're coming across. Um, I I don't know if it was. They might have been beaten now, but up until last week. Liverpool had scored the most in the Champions League. Their team had scored the most goals. And that's against, you know, Europeans' best. So, um, Walcott failing to run at Liverpool's left-back until late in the game. Yeah, that's just Walcott. Uh, Everton cautious in the box. Crosses put behind players in the box. The draw meant Liverpool missed a chance to move above Man United into second. Very interesting stat there. Um, they are a point behind their northwest rivals who have two games in hand. So it was vital that they got the three points from the derby. Everton, who stay ninth, have gone 15 league derbies without a win, going back to a 2-0 victory in 2010. That's a very long time ago. I was a wee nipper back then because I'm only 21 right now. Uh, Liverpool keeper Karras uh, on the results. Um, I thought we did really well first half. At the end, we were hanging on a little bit. It's normal. We played an intense game, and I think it's a fair result. Karius uh, is confident that you can become Liverpool's number one goalkeeper. Well, when you've got Mignolet competing with you, I think that's safe to say as well. Uh, Wayne Rooney was not happy when being subbed off, however. He was not having a good game. Dominating the last 15 minutes could have given us the opportunity to win it, but we needed more legs. That's the way the game goes. Wayne's bound to be disappointed to be brought off in a Merseyside derby, but I make the decisions and I thought the right, you know, it was the right thing to do and to make those changes to give us a better chance. As good as he is and was, we needed more legs. And I think that's more than fair to say. More than fair to say. Nobody is too big to come off. That is fantastic managerial decisions. Don't, it's not about the player 
you know, the name on the back. It's about how he's doing on the field right there. Like we were discussing last week with the Southgate uh, England selection. He chooses player about merit, not reputation. And I think that's the same situation here. I make the decisions. I think Sam Allardyce, was, that was a fantastic decision from him. Regardless of whether it may, you know, might be decided to be the wrong or the correct one, I think the decision of bringing someone off and saying that all players are the same, no one's bigger than the... You know, as they say, I think it was, I think it was Tony Adams that said it. I think it's Tony Adams that said it. Um, you know, nobody's name on the back is bigger than the name on the front or whatever. Um, and if you play for the name on the front, they'll remember the name on the back. Vice versa, say la vie, say la vie. Um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a pretty, pretty boring game, if I'm completely honest with you. Uh, very, very, very drab. Um, Sky Sports asked Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp um, after the game, is he happy with the result? Absolutely. Okay, uh, we controlled the game for around 60 minutes. Then everything got a bit emotional. All right. In those times, we have to control the game, but we didn't. But you were happy. At the end, there were two crosses that were close. So I'm completely fine with the result. Clean sheet, good defending. But the last 20 minutes, we need to play and we didn't do that. No, it's, fair. it's a fair point. Clean sheet, you know, uh, but then when the get when the team that you've played with the team that you're playing haven't beaten you in 15 games then yeah you I wouldn't be happy I would not be happy on the carrier save a nice one honestly the ball changed direction and I wasn't sure why uh, but it was him I could see it on the screen so very good a very important result so let's carry on another point away not a long drive home I'm glad he's pos I'm glad he's happy about the long not the long drive home. The irony, the joke is, if you've ever been on Google Maps, guys or girls, if you check on Google Maps to see how far Anfield is away from uh, what is Everton's home ground? <laughs> Jesus Christ! God, uh, we've completely forgot the Everton's home ground. Wow, we're gonna have to go. Editing. This we're not we're not here. What is it? Goodison Park. Of course it is. I knew this. I was just testing everyone listening at home. So anyway, so anyway, uh, yeah, Anfield and Goodison Park. There's only one park separating them. It's like I mean, like a, a, a recreational area, and it's called Stanley Park. That's the only. That's the only thing that's separating the two stadiums. It's it's crazy. So you can imagine. You can imagine it being called Stanley. You can see a lot of the firm reenactments. You should meet my mate called Stanley. And it's a Stanley knife. Uh, and they just meet and have a big rumble in Stanley Park. But anyway, on the, the second half uh, capitulation. Oh, great word. That's completely normal. It's my favorite word at the moment. That's completely normal. Until then, it was not the game everybody wanted. Uh, but that's not our job to do that. Okay. Uh, Everton manager Sam Allardyce speaking to Sky Sports. As I said, I really thought what he did was a fantastic decision, uh, keeping players on the on the pitch based on merit and not reputation. Um, obviously, I'm sure he was under fire uh, from Everton fans for bringing off Wayne Rooney, but obviously he wasn't having a good game. Um, I think in the, in, in the end, uh, when you finish the game as strongly as that and put Liverpool under pressure like they did, uh, you can say that we're unlucky. There you go. So he's not happy with the draw, so to speak. Particularly the uh, the Senk header and Solanke's chance. The basis of our performance was nullifying Liverpool's attack to create chances. But when you miss those chances, it's really disappointing because it's gone. It could have gone either way. We could have been looking at a different game. 
I think we got that. Um, I think we got apprehensive and started chasing the ball too much, maybe leaving pockets from behind, um, and giving away it, uh, giving it away too easily. In the second half, we played much better. We took it to Liverpool and ran at them to create chances after chances. It, it was, as I said, it was it was a bit of a board draw, nil nil. Uh, the last fifteen minutes was the, was the moment where Everton really started to take it to Liverpool. Who knows? This might be. You know, you've got to take the positives out of any every situation. Uh, Everton giving it to a very, very strong Liverpool side right now. You know, you only recently just demolished uh, Manchester City in the Champions League, who are pretty much going to be winning the Premier League. So, you know, Everton did pretty decent for themselves. And this might be the, the catapult or the platform for them to go on and do, and, you know, finish the season on a high. What do you think? Maybe. Maybe. Or am I or am I trying to be too positive here? Well, I mean, you said yourself, you didn't watch the game. The only exciting part was the last 15 minutes. I do I do reckon if Everton took the game a little bit more to Liverpool, I reckon I probably could have seen them winning the game. But Really? And, and yeah, really. Because, I mean, they missed in that last 15 minutes. I think... Uh, Tosson had a had a chance from a header, literally went millimeters wide of the post. Uh, Tosson put the ball into the box that went behind Walcott. Uh, Walcott failing to run the le- left back, as I said. If you just take on players and put the ball in the box, they I reckon they could have probably may not been like three four nil, but one nil I reckon Everton could have nicked it easily in that last fifteen minutes. Chances taken, but chances missed, and it ended up a board draw. Fantastic. Let's move on to a few more games then. Uh, Bournemouth 2, Ever- uh, Crystal Palace 2. Uh, I I didn't watch much of the game. I was working all weekend, which was really annoying. Um, I did watch it on uh, Match of the Day, but nothing really jumped out of me, if I'm honest with you. Um, Brighton 1, Huddersfield 1, another very interesting game. The fact that they're both, you know, floating around the bottom. Um, vital points at the bottom is, is, is you know... It's imperative that you be winning these games and getting as many points as you can. Uh, Newcastle 2, Leicester 1. Newcastle picking up quite a few wins now uh, at the moment uh, and coming across a quite a strong Leicester as well. So that was quite an interesting game. The game for me Newcastle for the week... Rock middle. They, well, this is it. The well, this is it. Uh, Stoke 1, Tottenham 2. Very happy that Stoke uh, are, you know, just literally in free fall at the moment. That's making me very, very happy. A um, lot of talk at the moment, though. Tottenham Hotspurs are to be lodging an appeal uh, with the Premier League for striker Harry Kane to be awarded the winning goal against Stoke, purely to try and get themselves a trophy for the season of uh, golden boot of the Premier League, which will look great in their trophy cabinet. Uh <laughs> Very interesting. Obviously, Mo Salah literally running away with the uh, with the, the the goals scored in the Premier League at the moment. But what do you make of them appealing? Uh, you know, lodging an appeal. You know, they got nothing else better to do, or are they trying to get that trophy for the season? I mean, it's, can you classify that as a trophy? I mean, well, uh, putting the pressure on Chelsea last year was also one of their trophies. <laughs> What, it is pointless. You, you've got to win. Does it matter? I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Does it matter if the post scores a goal? No. You just. I, this is the first time I've heard of this. This is the first time I've heard of it. But they're opening themselves up. Tottenham are opening themselves up for you know being ridiculed, criticism, criticism yeah. being ridiculed, laughed at. The fact that they're bitching uh, over a two-one win over Stoke and saying, "Can you give it to this guy? Because we want him to have one extra goal against his name." 
What? Do you know, it's one extra goal to this game, and they say it's to win the top goal scorer. Mo Salah is still five goals ahead. Yeah, well, there you go. So, still, Tottenham, still uh, Tottenham, men, Tottenham's mentality has always confused me. Um, I swear <laughs> on my daughter's life that I touched. The... Is this what he said? Is this what he said? <laughs> I swear on my daughter's life. Wow, <laughs> I touched the ball. Uh, hold on, hold on. I need to do it. <clears throat> I swear my daughter's life. I swear for touch the ball. There's nothing I can do. Added Kane. If they turned it around, they turned it around. I'll take my. Wait. What? Uh, it's our fault. But what happens to your daughter? Fucking hell. They take my word. It is what it is. The most important thing is that we won the game. No shit, Sherlock. Fucking league's best dribbler. Uh, no, seriously. I've never seen anything like it. I think it's the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, Harry Kane. Do you know what? It wouldn't shock me. It would. It makes sense that Harry Kane was probably the one that instigated the whole situation and said, "Can we please plot lodge?" Um, and Pochettino's going, "What? No, <laughs> you idiot!" And he's like, and his and his and his people at the club are, are sorting it out. It wouldn't shock me if that was the situation. He's very tedious like that. Fucking. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me, mate. It wouldn't shock me. Right. Uh, Watford 1, Burnley 2. Burnley going back to winning ways. Uh, as I said before, I think they've done absolutely amazing this season. Sean Dyche has done an incredible job and it's going to be very interesting to see how long Burnley keep hold of him. I think that's a very interesting, uh, very interesting insight. West Brom 1, Swansea 1. Swansea, uh, West Brom are pretty much done now. Uh, and Swansea, Swansea's floating around the bottom as well. They've got to be careful um, considering that they played the team that's guaranteed to be relegated uh, only getting a one-all draw it's pretty shocking I think it says everything you need to know about how poor Swansea have been playing this season Arsenal 3 Southampton 2 Arsene Wenger praised the exceptional mental strength uh, mental strength of Danny Welbeck after the striker ended the goalless run of 16 Premier League games to score two and assist the other as the Gunners fought back to beat Southampton can we just talk about uh, the ball over the top from, I think it may have been El Nenny? It was the ball over the top. Jack Wilshere puts it back across the goal and Danny Welbeck misses from literally three yards out. Gets ridiculed to shit, then scores the winner. Who would have funked it, you know? Jesus Christ. Danny Welbeck, England's top goal scorer. Well, that's it. I have everyone in the squad. Apart from Harry Kane, he's, is it Harry Kane? Is he beating Harry Kane? No, yeah, he's beating Harry he's Kane. Beating Harry Kane. So there you go. Danny Welbeck is the most, he's got the most goals in the current squad, including Harry Kane. As much as that blows your mind, it says a lot about his work ethic. As much as you'll get ridiculed. Well, this is it. Facts don't lie. Facts don't lie. What I'm saying is, when you, when you uh, I don't know, you're one of your players for your teams does, you know, does, doesn't do as well as you want him to do or he does something silly, like, I don't know, a Mustafi clearance uh, against Southampton and leaves Shane Long in and puts it into the back of the net and Mustafi's like, Chick, oh, why didn't you get it? Uh, has a Harry Kane moment, so to speak. Uh, I, you know, fans generally go on the Twitter and start, you know, atting them and calling them all of the names under the sun go die, blah, 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 you know, all this, you know, family, get cancer and all that, the, the nasty shit. If you believe that these players don't read some of these messages and it doesn't affect them personally on an, on a, an emotional level as a human being, then you are a fool. You are a ridiculed twat. You are a twat 
You're a fucking twat. You shouldn't be allowed to have social media access. You shouldn't be allowed. Because these things can literally directly affect these players and it won't help them for the, the weeks to come. That's going to that's gonna absolutely just rip them to shreds. But yeah, um, it was a... It was, a, it, was a, it was a great game. Obviously, it was it was a bit bum squeaky time, um, but we got the win, so there we are. Uh, what we got here? So Mark Hughes has got a few things to say. I've got to be careful. Uh, it's not an easy role, clearly. But Jack, uh, obviously, this, uh, we're talking about the the foul. Um, obviously, at the end of the game, El Nenny got sent off for a push uh, close to the neck, uh, and Jack Ram uh, Jack Ramsey, Jack Wilshere got a yellow card, and also Southampton got a red card as well for a bit of an altercation. Um, people don't seem to when you watch the replays where Jack Wilshere, yeah, he's pulling on the guy's jumper but as he's doing that the guy's elbowing him in the face so as he's elbowing him in the face jack wilshire's like right fine i'm gonna pull your i'm gonna pull your shirt to the point where it rips and then people are going oh you shouldn't rip his jumper and it's like yeah we well, shouldn't elbow him in the face then he reacts and pushes jack wilshire to the floor kalasinak's there kalasinak runs over the southampton player then realizes oh shit i'm gonna die so i better fucking run so he then gets all nervous and scared it was a it was a stupid end to the game Obviously, I can understand Southampton are in the relegation zone, so they are playing, you know, with a uh, a sort of tension. They're playing, you know, they're playing with their hearts on their sleeves. Uh, but acts like that is is not permitted for me. I thought that was uh, I thought that was a bit I thought that was a bit shit. You know, Mark Hughes even saying here he was reacting to get rid of him. Well, yeah, because if you physically assault someone in on the street, you're going to get arrested. Never mind on a football pitch. Uh, I'm a bit disappointed that the ref didn't see that uh, it was a moment, the moment with his knee. Uh, that was after the elbows to the face. He could have been sent off as well. Mark Hughes, I didn't like Arnautovic doing the hammer celebration and giving you the dirtiest look possible when you lost 3-0 to West Ham, who were in the form, uh, the worst form of their of their season. But I tell you what. Fuck you, Marcus. Uh, I thought the Arnautovic thing was hilarious now. Um, and I tell you what, Arnautovic is doing really well for West Ham at the moment. They've really, like, a guy that was kind of like a winger, they kind of made him their main man. West Ham have made them his main, their main man, and he's doing the business up top. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really quite chuffed with him. Uh, going on, speaking of West Ham, uh, Chelsea won, West Ham won at Stamford Bridge, and I believe it was the first time... Uh, what was it again? It was like 28 years. What was it? What was the, the stat where they didn't lose to Chelsea in so many years? I can't remember the stat. But uh, West Ham did really, really well to to get a point against uh, the, the, the current Premier League champions. I think that was a fantastic result considering if you would have asked a West Ham fan a month ago what they thought the score would be against Chelsea, they probably would have said about 4 or 5 nil to Chelsea. So that's a, that's a brilliant result. Uh, for a club that's finally, hopefully, turning things around. And I'm hoping that the Noble, uh, the Mark Noble open letter to the fans is doing the business. And that's the reason why the turnaround is happening. So now we're going to go into Ryan's coaching blog. Take it away. Okay, so the third coaching blog here. So mainly I don't really talk about coaching so much in this blog. I talk about physical education, which at school... PE! Yay! Yay! Woo! Woo! Yes, my favourite. I loved PE. <laughs> PE was the best, man. PE was the best. Yeah, it's just that time to get out of the classroom. But I mean, I started off. I mean, I'm not going to read the whole blog because it's uh, something for you to go and read yourself. But I, it's um, 
P to me is, is just going to sound very academical. Is the em embodiment of holistic education, education of a whole person in mind, body, and in spirit. And that's something that I come up with during training to be a PE teacher. So uh, the way I the way I brought this into physical education and coaching, because you probably got to go through a paragraph where I talk about PE and how it. Some people say PE should not be part of the curriculum in schools. It should just not bother with PE. And people are saying that it's only mentioned physicality once. It's just the same PE. is just go out there, go and have fun, go kick a football about. Yes, a lot of teachers do do that. My PE teacher at school did that too. And it was loads of fun. He didn't love having a game of football when they go to go and play PE. However, when you're thinking about I me mean, like me, I, wanted, I knew I wanted to be a PE teacher in year nine. So going to university and learning about it in a more academical way and not just a, I'm a teacher, I can take children, I can go play football. What is it that's happening behind that, the teaching? How am I able to teach children to be more confident? How am I able to give them the motivation to go out and actually play sport, to want to be a PE teacher in the future or to want to take up sports coaching like I have done? And in my opinion, PE, absolutely amazing subjects that gives children and even adults because I, I coach adults as well just that motivation to carry on in sport no matter what sort of person you are you can be the least confident or the most confident person you can be the biggest person or the skinniest person just to come out and enjoy yourself i'm i've taught gcse i've taught a level i've taught normal normal pe or this just a bog standard pe where you're going out and you're coaching or teaching different sports I've taught it in posh schools, I've taught it in a school that's on the verge of closure, and it was a very, very, very good experience that has enabled me now, I mean, I'm not full-time teaching, but I am in schools over and over and over again to combine teaching and coaching, which a lot of people say, aren't they the same? No, <laughs> teaching a lot different. Coaching is you're going to coach somebody how to do something. Teaching, you don't just go, this is how you do it. Teaching, you make the children find out about why do you have to do it and let them just go and figure it out for themselves so I've taught a lot and eventually I ended up going to university after taking GCSEs and A-levels and I did a high national diploma in sports coaching which is where I knew I really wanted to go to do that physical education role after that I did a degree and I stopped the degree there because I stopped the degree. I did not stop the degree. That, but that's where my ambitions for becoming a PE teacher went into full motion. And the next blog, I'll talk about what happened during my degree, what sort of coaching I did during the HND, and how it just skyrocketed to me going through teacher training, which was the hardest time academically for me, to then eventually where I am now, which we a few blogs down the line. Right. Finish. 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 That's my new favourite word, finish. <clears throat> so we'll move on uh, just before we discuss the uh, the more interesting Manchester derby, which uh, Ryan can go on because he literally has a huge wank fest over Manchester United for about 20 minutes. Uh, I'll leave him to completely take the rein over that. But we'll quickly just go over the uh, West Brom have had a proposal to introduce safe standing at the Hawthorns, rejected by the government. For me, I think that's a very silly thing to do. I love the idea of safe standing. Um, I've always loved the idea of safe standing. Um, I hate the fact that uh, the amount of times that I've been to the Emirates um, and uh, it's generally I'm generally around corporate people. 
or it's a higher end of people that uh, the moment you start singing, chanting, standing up and getting involved in the game, as I don't go to, I'm not able to go to as many games as I would like as it's very expensive. Funnily enough, actually, Arsenal is literally the most expensive football club to follow in the world. Um, I would love to be able to... standard ticket for Arsenal? Uh, standard ticket for Arsenal is about 70 quid. That's it, and you've got to wait on a waiting list for about 10 years. So, uh, so it's gone down a little bit, but it's around two grand for a season ticket. Oh my God, that is... So, yeah, it's gone down a little bit. It's gone down a little bit, um, but it's something dumb. And that's like a, a, that's a decent seat. That's a de it's not like I'm sitting at the back. I can't see a call. Uh, 12 grand, <laughs> 1200 quid season ticket. Um, so anyway, it's very expensive. Um, I love the idea of being able to stand somewhere, chant, stand, scream, shout, and enjoy the game uh, like most clubs, uh, no, most fans should be able to do for their football club. I don't like the idea that some stadiums are very, very quiet, um, and uh, you know some stewards will tell you to remain seated throughout the game because you're obstructing the view of someone behind you. The football is all about passion. You should be standing up, getting involved. Apparently, the pilot scheme would have meant that 3,600 seats uh, in the uh, Smethwick end were converted to rail seats, which can be locked in an upright position. I think that's a brilliant idea. Celtic, uh, funny enough, you were saying to me just before we started recording, Celtic, uh, uh, given the Scottish clubs are not subject to legislation after affecting their English counterparts, successfully applied to Glasgow City Council to install rail sitting. Their 2,600 rail seats were used for the first time in July 2016, and the club have had visits for a number of English sides keen to learn from their experience. I love the idea of, uh, of safe standing. I don't like the idea that the government have denied it. I think that's just... Uh, Somebody who doesn't know much about football has denied it. That's my opinion uh, on the matter. Um, I don't want to get too angry or annoyed about it. I, 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 you know, it brings up all my frustration and the amount of times that I've been told to sit down, shut up, uh, and given dirty looks every time I've screamed and shouted uh, to the point where every single time I come out of the Emirates, I've got a migraine because I've literally lost my shit. Um, if you want to discuss the uh, the amazingly Jesus goddamn Christ, what a game! Man City 2, Man United 3, Manchester Derby, then, Ryan, if you want to take it away, buddy, you can. I mean, what a game. I mean, at the end of the first half, absolutely one side goes that shit, I'm going to have to turn this game off because it's going to get embarrassing again. And I remember the time, I can't remember what season it was, that we got battered 6-1 by Man City. I mean, I was at university at the time, and, it, and unbeknownst to me, because I was new to the city of Worcester, it was a pub full of Man City fans, and I was there in my Man United top, just carrying away slowly into the corner, and slowly outside as the final whistle blew. Not a not a very a very good memory to me, but I mean, Man City they came out after the Liverpool defeat and amazing first half. I was like shock. Man City are in the lead. And their first goal, I have no idea what Smalling was doing. Probably memories flashed back to him of uh, when he lost the header to company when they won the league some season. I can't remember what it was. But he went round the back of him on a corner. This time company, very smart, went round the front. And Smalling was like, oh shit, there's people that can run in front of me as well. They don't. Oh my run. god, they run around you. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, they go different directions. And company 
massive head onto the ball scores the goal one nil and then to the to the second goal typical man city goal pass 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 ilkay gundogan turn of the season that i've seen from a player yep. this year yeah turns it in flicks it in De Gea left standing there like a mug and it goes in two nil whatever Mourinho said to those players at half time I mean I can imagine me what I mean there's not options on football manager that we get just to be like angry or aggressive and go aggressive and show me something else second <laughs> half you useless pieces yeah. of shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something like that <laughs> then we came out and Paul Pogba incredible wow so yeah I did, I, yeah in the first half, I didn't even know he was on the pitch. Second half, he's come out with his fucking blue hair on. I mean, what, what an amazing hairstyle you decide. Everyone was talking about his hair, the fact that it's blue. It's like, <laughs> oh, good God. It's like, it's like Danny Rose when he dyed his hair red. All the Spurs fans were like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, all right, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pogba had, like, he had one or two shots in the first half that came from outside the box and nothing came of it but then it's like all of a sudden Pogba woke up in the uh, second half and I don't know maybe he just decided to go against whatever Mourinho has been trying to get him to do in previous games where he seems to be restricted in the player that we well we know I know a lot of football fans will know that he can be he was roaming around the pitch and the first goal incredible flick on chest on or whatever it was by Herrera and 1-0 absolutely fantastic the second goal it's just like that's the Pogba I want to see every single game just delaying those runs and getting powering into the box getting past Man City defenders who that's the sort of defending that we saw in the Liverpool game Man, the two Man City central defenders just stopping and standing still and going oh shit we actually have to defend we can't just uh, sit there and go Ooh, all our attackers will score the goals because we will pass the ball for 90 minutes Nope. Pogba got in with the flick and the third goal, well, Smalling comes out of nowhere and scores a volley. I don't think I've ever seen Chris Smalling score a volley quite like it before, even though the BBC, I don't know if anybody from the BBC is going to be listening, they said it was a header. Unless his, unless his head is on his shoe. That's where, his head, that's where your head is, mate. That's where you're headed. These are your knees. These are your knees. These are called your upstairs knees. These are called your upstairs knees. I will tell you a funny fact, actually. Shakespeare was the man that invented the word elbow. So when before Shakespeare did that, he these were called upstairs knees. That was it. That was that's what you call a knees up. Hey. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, so, oh, and he also invented the word bubble. Just thought you'd know that. Uh, Sergio Aguero. I didn't know this. He had a he had a strong penalty claim. Uh, turned yes. down after a challenge by. Uh, me and my mum the diver the game. And my mum was like oh is that a penalty you're a Man United fan it's Sergio Aguero that's fouled in the box and it is the tackle was horrendous it was a penalty he's gone in on his shins if he if Young comes through any quicker any mm. stronger potential leg breaker for Sergio Aguero tensions boiled over which you want to see in any derby I've not seen a Manchester derby where the tensions are boiled over in quite a long time. So it was good to see tensions boil over. I love to see passion from football players. I wanted to see it in the Liverpool-Everton game, but we didn't get to see it, unfortunately. It happened in the Manchester derby, and it was wonderful, exciting. Was that? Yes, we've uh, stopped them from winning the title, which I said in the last stream, I thought this game was at Old Trafford. 
it wasn't. It was at the Etihad, which gave me a bit more reason to actually want to watch the game, even though I was going to watch the game. But we knocked them off, and they can't win the title now. I don't think they think they can win it this week. I think they have to wait a couple of more weeks to win the title, if they're going to win the title. If they don't, anybody listening out there, Gary Lineker has said he will do match of the day in a thong. Brilliant. That's so. what we all want to see. <laughs> Everybody wants to see that, of course. Um, let's uh, pick up the victories, Man United and Man City. You can keep on losing, just so we can all see Gary Lineker in much of the day in a thong. Everybody wants to see that, of course. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Manchester United manager Jose Mourinho speaking to Sky Sports on the performance. I was really sad with the first goal, and I think it was the third corner they scored against us this season. Then with the second, it was the important. It was important for the players to keep confident. We moved the ball more than the other team, i.e. Man City. Uh, we pressed a bit higher and we kept the shape as a, and to get a good result. I think mathematically we, needed, we need six points to stay in the top four and this win is part of that tonight. On Man City, our challenge is uh, to fir- uh, finish second, but I want to congratulate City for the title because they're going to go and win and deservedly. That's, that's a nice point to put. Um, they gave no chance to others because they, uh, they've had this season or they, you know, they just don't. They just don't stop winning. They just don't. They always win. Uh, my objective here was to get the point and not spoil any celebrations. The point is we can prove uh, we can improve enough to catch them next season, possibly. Um, also here on Paul Pog rumors, um, if the accusation from his agent is what is that what he wants uh, to go to other clubs, the prices have gone up. It's very interesting to hear from a manager say you know those rumors are untrue, but embrace them and say if they are true, then his prices have gone up. It's a very interesting way to. Mm-hmm take was, the um, matter very very psychological from Pep Guardiola whether it be true that he was apparently offered to Man City in January mm. even if it wasn't it's a very good psychological game to play and we saw well I don't know whether you watched the game we saw Pep Guardiola go and speak to uh, Pogba after the game but then we saw Pogba in his um, extroverted self just going don't listen to the rumours don't listen don't listen so who knows who knows I reckon if they if a massive bid came in for Pogba, I would be quite happy for him to disappear if the form that he's had in the previous games to go. If he can pick up the form that he had in the second half of this game and carry on into next season, price has gone up to me, most definitely. Okay, very interesting. Okay, so we're up to the hour mark, so we'll try and get through uh, this uh, wank fest of Man United as quickly as we can. I'll discuss the, I'll just, I'll talk about the Pep Guardiola a bit, and then you can talk about the comeback kings. You can discuss all that. Um, so Pep Guardiola speaking to Sky Sports after the game. We did everything. The quality was really good. The first half, the game was almost won. We were almost there. In ten minutes, they recovered. A little sad for fans and players. Uh, we were trying to be in a good mood for next Tuesday. Obviously, because they've got the really difficult game now against Liverpool. On missed chances, fo- football is boxes. Okay, uh, when you're in a good box, you have a good chance to score. Right. On the penalty shout, I didn't see it. All right, Wenger. I mean Guardiola. Uh, I've been told it was, but I didn't see it. Jesus, Jesus Christ, he's literally taking books out of his idol right now. Uh, on the United resurgence, they found their game, found their actions. They have spirit but we did everything to win the game. On second half, I don't think so. Our team tried to create an attack, and that is what we have done all season. We tried to produce all of the quality and goals. You have to defend a little better in the second half, but it's football. As far as intention, no complaints. Uh, Did we play bad? 
it would be good if you try to understand that uh, we played good football. You have to judge the performance and the way they played, not only to look at the result, make a judgment. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, United Comeback Kings, the best of the stats. So, if you want to have a little wank over this one, mate, you go right ahead. Here we go. Jeez. We have to take the positive. Sure. Uh, so, this was the first time that City have lost a Premier League game when they were winning by a 2-0 margin since October 2008. Man United have won nine games in the Premier League away when trailing by at least two goals, four more than any other side in the competition. Praise Man United. This was the first time a side managed by Pep Guardiola has conceded at least three goals in a consecutive game in all competitions, having lost 3-0 to Liverpool in the Champions League. Goals can be scored against Manchester City people. Keep it on going. Both Smalling and Pogba have won nine Premier League games in which they have scored. Only former Liverpool forward Ryan Babel. I mean, what, what a player. Well, where's he playing now? Has a better 100% record, winning 11 out of 11. And the amazing Paul Pogba, they were 97 seconds in between his goals. And I've just realised I've missed, just missed one. Guardiola lost a game in which his side were winning by two-goal margin for the first time since December 2013, when his Bayern Munich side lost 3-2 to Manchester City, the side which he is managing now. Bankfest over. Everybody will love those stats. Jesus Christ. Brilliant. Loving it. <laughs> um, so uh, let's do a, uh, a little screen swap a uh, and let's talk about our new section of the podcast called Wonder Kid Watch. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the gentleman that we're going to be discussing today, this week, is a guy by the name of Umpinkiano who plays uh, for Red Bull Leipzig, or Leipzig. Um, and here he is. Look at his beautiful face. He looks so happy to be there. Uh, Deot Umpinkiano is only, what, 18? 18? 18 years He's old, 18 yeah. years old. And uh, funny enough, I've actually signed him in... Uh, oh, hold on. Let me swap the let me swap the switcheroo thing here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Um, I've, actually, I've actually... Oh, that is very large indeed. Uh, hold on. <laughs> that sounded really... What, that sounded so that's, dodgy. That's, uh, what that's what they all say. Uh, hold on. For some reason, the screen's really, really large. Um, okay, there we go. Okay, cool. Right. Uh, so there he is, uh, Umpinkiano. And uh, I, funny enough, I've actually signed him uh, on an Arsenal save. Um, I'm season three. I'm in season three. Uh, going up, just coming up to halfway through now. Uh, I signed him uh, pretty much in the first season, first transfer window, when he was uh, Red Bull Leipzig, and I signed him for about forty million pounds, which is quite a lot of money. But a player of his stature, you can see he's got the physicals. Um, we've got strength sixteen. We've got the balance seventeen. Pace eighteen. Uh, you know what else we got here? Natural fitness sixteen. Coming from an 18-year-old kid who he hasn't really featured, he hasn't featured for the French first team, uh, international team, is uh, some crazy stats. Marking 14, tackling 14. He weighs 13 stone and he's six foot one. So this guy's a big unit. He's a big unit, but he's still got 18 pace. That's just, you know what I mean? The media description is a powerful centre-back. Uh, determination 15, bravery 16, aggression 15. The guy likes to get around and do the business, get the job done. Um, he, you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't get injured. Uh, he's he's a hard worker. 
and uh, let's have a look. He's um, has some career. Have we got any career stats on him? I don't know if we've got any career stats on him. Um, he's featured. He's featured quite a few times. Funny enough, he's come from uh, Red Bull Salzburg to uh, Red Bull Liffering to Red Bull Salzburg to the Red Bull Leipzig. He's gone. He's gone for all the Red Bulls. Um, he's he's officially sponsored by Red Bull. That's the reason why he's so big. He's got wings. Um, <laughs> Uh, he's probably going to go to Red Bull New York next. Or was it? What's the other? What's the other one? Uh, he's going to go to. He's going to go to another one of the Red Bulls. Um, but he went to. He went to Red Bull Leipzig for nine million pounds for a completely unheard of sixteen-year-old. I'm guessing at this point, uh, nine million pounds is not to frown about. That's nothing to frown about, and especially when you're at a club uh, like Leipzig who are competing in the Bundesliga against teams like uh, Wolfsburg. Uh, Schalke, Bayern Munich, uh, Borussia Dortmund. They're up and coming. They're the sort of team they've gone out and they've. Oh, I very much know that. I very much know that they've got quite a bit of money. They've got quite a bit of money, and they've spent it in the right areas. But they use him as a first team. He's a first team player. He's a first. He's 18 years old, and he's a first team player. It's incredible. Uh, he plays out. Uh, he plays on the right uh, of centre backs uh, out of a, uh, a back four. Um, but I, I think he's absolutely fantastic. As I said, I, I'm, I'm in year three now of my Arsenal save, and he's, he's I play at a three at the back, and he plays as one of my three at the back, uh, three at the back alongside um, Rogani and Romanoli. So he plays again. He plays with two Italians, um, and he and he sits in the middle because he sweeps everything up because he's he's so tall. He's got great heading stats as well. After a few years, he starts to really work on uh, the bits that you really want to work on. But his physicals for an 18 year old sublime do i see him moving on to uh, a big club within the next two to three years if he goes on the way he's going i don't see why not Definitely. um i can see him moving on to someone like Bar uh, barcelona they're always looking uh for for young uh, center backs um umtiti um, is there at the moment uh doing very very well also french international so maybe that might be a connection um he he could easily go as well to the premier league he's good enough um you obviously, he could, I, I, do you know what? I could see him going to a Man City and playing alongside Laporte. I could see him doing that. Ooh, I could see him doing that. Um, he's very good technically on the ball um, for an 18-year-old, you know, monster that he is. I, I can see, I can see a big club coming in for him in the next few years. And the fact that Leipzig, um, you know, they didn't do as well as they thought they would do in the last few, the last few years. Um, I can see... Big things happening to Mpinkiano. But that's my opinion. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible player. I mean, I play him very differently. I'm liking the, I don't think it's ever used in modern football, the libero type of role. I All right, training, okay. I start training defenders that I know are good on the ball. They have the passing stats. They have the strength. They have the stamina. Just to play that libero, because it's like a, I don't know, what do you call it? It's a bit like a box to box, but a defensive kind of. Yeah, it's like a it's like a defensive midfielder, but can go get filter filters into the centre back. Yeah, I mean, I always get slated. I mean, I post all my tactics on quite a lot of football manager groups, and they go, "What are you playing in libero for? Surely that takes out the offside track?" No, because when we're on the attack, they sit in front of the back four. Yeah, so, they a lot of these a lot of these very inexperienced children. They'll look at the screen and they'll go, "Oh, if he's behind the centre backs, then that's where he plays." Um, you know, it's like when you watch, it's not like Sabutio or Foosball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those players are very much pinned to their position, but in real life football, 
you don't see, well, maybe not Pogba, maybe he does pretty much do that, but any midfielder sitting in the middle of the field going, pass me the ball, and then passing it on and not moving and just got standing there like a, a rigid pole going, I can't move! I can't fucking move! What's going on? So, yeah, that's not how things work. Just want to put that one out there. So, yeah, if you want to... I always like to build tactics on Football Manager that pretty much no one really does. I'm a massive fan of inverted wingbacks. Nobody else really uses inverted wingbacks, but I love them because I love using... Um, I love using box-to-box midfielders or wingers uh, to play out on the uh, play out on the inverted wingbacks because they're basically coming inside and you know, playing the ball through the middle as opposed... and But they've got the skill as well to still go down the wings and put the ball in uh, for, uh, you know, for the strikers or whatever. But uh, we're coming up to the last little section here. We're going to... We've got a few questions from some people uh, from Facebook, Twitter, and Discord today. So that's freaking awesome. Thank you very much for all of your questions. It is uh, super appreciated. Uh, so we'll go through each of the questions then. Um... Do you want to do one each, Ryan? I'll do the first one. You do the next one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so, Ryan, will we ever see Ronaldo in the Premier League again? And that was Mike on Facebook. What do you think? I, I honestly, I can't see it. I can't see him staying at Madrid. Where's he going to go? I can't, see him, I can't see him going to America either. No. He's too, he's too, he's 30, what, is he 31? 33, 32. Really? Oh, yeah. get this, this foot manager. You Google that. 30, 33 he is. Really? 33. How old is Latan? Latan is 36. Zlatan, yes, Latan's 36. Okay, alright, alright, okay, alright. Right. So, mate, we completely forget how old Ronaldo is. He's still amazing. He's got a bicycle kick. He's two years older than me, and he's got a bicycle kick the other day. Like, jeez, Christ. Uh, yeah, do you think you'll ever see him in the Premier League again? Do you think Man United will go in for him? Or do you think he'll do a Tevez and go to Man City? I mean, maybe, depending on the manager we have a few years, if we have gigs, I could see maybe Ferguson whispering in his ear going, get Ronaldo back, just as that sort of experienced type of player. Like, like the Ferguson Ibrahimovic signing. Yeah, like he used to bring in, he brought in Henrik Larsson when he was there. He brought in, um, what's his name that he used to put, he brought in, just as, a, just as an experienced type of player. Ooh, he always used to have that. Like, uh, he brought back Paul Scholes. He brought back Paul Scholes yeah, yeah. Uh, out of retirement. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer played for, for quite some time, didn't he, as well? Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, he's he, he's privy to bringing in a, an old and goldie uh, to mm -hmm. still get game time. It's not, it's not an unheard of thing at Manchester United. So, Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Um, do you want to do the next one? Yeah, next question. Who will be the biggest transfer fee in the summer? And that was from John on Facebook. Biggest transfer fee. I think Griezmann will move in the summer. I think Griezmann will move in the summer. Um, I think that might be the biggest transfer fee. Um, I can see him going to someone like Manchester United, if I'm honest with you, if Lukaku keeps playing poorly like he has been. Um, but I can also see uh, my favourite, Dybala, maybe making the move. Um, you know, doing the business in the Champions League this year, getting the winning goal to beat Spurs uh, to get through to getting trumped by Real Madrid. But, uh, you know, they're doing the business. He's, he's doing the business. He's very, he's, he's a very technically a very good player. Still quite young. He's 23, 24. Um, his best years are his next contract. His best years are his next contract. Yeah. I think that might be uh, might be up for question. 
So yeah, uh, Griezmann or Dybala, and and it's funny as well because we've been saying for years there's not many strikers out there. Uh, available. How many years have you heard it? No strikers available. No strikers available. Another little shout as well. Maybe Martial uh, from Manchester United. He's uh, apparently he's rejected a contract um, from unknown sources, but he's rejected a possible contract from Manchester United. He's not getting a lot of game time, and he's uh, it's someone that Wenger loves very much. So maybe you could have Welbeck back, and we could get Martial. I think that's a great deal. <laughs> you know how it always works out these swap deals between Arsenal and Man United. It works out beautifully. Um, next question. Um, do you think Newcastle will stay up and will Ashley, uh, Mike Ashley, the biggest asshole on the planet, actually sell Newcastle? If he does, do you think Rafa can bring in quality players so Newcastle can go back to being a big club? And that was Nilmar on Twitter, and he's already he's also part of my community as well. So I was going to Nilmar, and no, I don't support Spurs, you fucking asshole. Um... <laughs> He always does. Every time he goes into my stream, um, he'll always say, oh, come on, you Spurs, like every single time, just to wind me up. Uh, so, yeah, um, do you think Newcastle will stay up and do you think Ashley, uh, Ashley, uh, Mike Ashley will sell Newcastle? Um, and if you and if he does, do you think Rafa will uh, be able to bring in the quality players and uh, Newcastle to going back to being a big club? What do you think? Well, Newcastle, are, I think they've already confirm that they're staying up. They're sitting nicely in the middle of the table on 38 points and Southampton are on currently 28. They've both played the same game. So that's oh, there you go. I think it's safe to say, so yeah. Safe to say Newcastle have stopped up. Second part of the Ash, will Ashley actually sell Newcastle? Who bloody knows? I think I could if, I'll tell you what, if Mike Ashley sells Newcastle, I won't hate Newcastle anymore. I can just carry on hating him as a human being. Um, because he's an absolute arsehole. That person put a bid in, and they had talks, but I don't know what's going on there. Is the club still going to be sold? Who knows? If the club is sold, so to answer the final part of the question, can Rafa bring in the quality players? That's dependent on who buys the club. I think think it will be a situation of uh, sell to spend. Yeah. I think it will be a situation of sell to spend. I think they'll have to... Gonna get it known that's gonna go here's five billion pounds going by whoever you it's not gonna happen. That, I look at that, I look at that at a, at like a Monaco situation where that is the Russian whoever came in and they go, Oh, buy anybody, I don't care. Look how Monaco are doing in the French League now, not very good. They keep selling their players because I think they're currently struggling with finances. So it's not gonna happen. I can see them being just still that steady AD Premier League club that may maybe be able to bring in. A few good range players for the Premier League for Newcastle standard. No, sure, sure. Um, got a, uh, a question here. Do you, do you wanna do you wanna open this one up? It's from at uh, Amy Talks Podcast on Twitter. Amy Talks. Uh, she's a podcast discusses the latest in mental health, pop culture, and more. Hosted by Amy K Jones. Uh, so thank you very much for your question, and it's a uh, it's a a topical question as well. Um, there's. Do you want to open up the first segment and then I'll do the second segment, which kind of branches off it? Yes. Yeah, so Go she on. asks, um, why do specific groups of football fans turn up to a game just to cause violence? I mean, we were discussing this just before the stream, so I'll let you voice your opinion. Sure. Sure. Players, uh, sorry, players, uh, fans going to games just to cause violence. Um, 
the thing is with football, it's a it's not just a sport that you watch on the television. It's a culture. It's a it's a way of life. It's uh, it's family. It's it's to some people it's 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 a matter of life and death. Um, I don't ever judge these people because some people don't have a lot going on in their lives and sometimes following their football team religiously, whether it be, you know, passively or aggressively, sometimes that's their way of that's that's what makes them get up in the morning. So I'm not going to judge people. I am going to judge people, however, on violence. I, I Obviously, we've we've said this before. We don't condone violence of any sort. Um, I think it's, uh, a, you know, disgusting when I see any sort of violence of any form. But when you see films like Football Factory, The Old School Firm uh, with Gary Oldman or the new one where they're all walking around in rainbow tracksuits, um, you know, you've got football, you've got Green Street, you've got all of these football hooliganism films. It's it's glorified by Hollywood and therefore people will see these and see them as gospel. I have been to many, many, many heated football games, whether it be in the pub or be it at uh, an actual football ground. I've never seen anything, I, I, you know, I mean, I've been involved in actual rumbles. Like, I've been involved in, you know, 20-man, 20 20-man 20 brawls. I've been put in hospital more times than I can remember. I've got chipped, steve, uh, chipped teeth still. I've got loads of scars all over my face where I've been, you know, I've been opened up many times. None of it was related to football. It was just drunkenness. It's not to do with football. It's to do with alcohol, all right? And obviously, we're never going to get rid of alcohol. I love having a drink and whatever. I think it's it's another situation altogether. I don't think people turn up just to cause violence. I think that, it's, uh, you know, the old ways are where hooligan firms turn up and, and have fights. It's just a very small pocket of people. And I wouldn't judge, um, you know, I wouldn't judge every football fan to be the same. Um, like I wouldn't judge, I don't know, every egalitarian, someone who believes in equal rights, to be the same as third wave feminism out today. If someone believes in egalitarian, you know, who's an egalitarian like me, I believe in equal rights for both of the sexes. I wouldn't then pocket myself in the same as a as a third wave feminist. Um, I think that's a completely different argument. Um, like that's the reason why when I say, don't put every you know every single football fan under the same banner. We're all we're all completely different. I I've been in many many fights. But I hate fighting. I detest it. I've always been, uh, I've always been, you know, pounced upon and have to try and defend myself. I hate fighting. Um, so yeah, I can understand what you're saying, and it's and it's very it's very frustrating within itself that it happens. Um, but it doesn't happen as much as you may think. It's a very good. It's a very good way to say. I mean, it's very. It's like you say, toptological. It's um, Hollywood spruce it up with the big films. I mean, you don't really hear so much about West Ham GEC, the, the Birmingham Zoo, which is the big from Green Street, I think they were they were from, where they start organising, let's, let's go and have a rumble in the street. You don't really hear much about that unless... It's super underground. It's like, and even if when it does go down, it's super underground to the point where it doesn't hurt anyone. Like, only only the people who are involved. It doesn't hurt any general public or any... No one's involved. We don't hear about it. We don't even see it. It's just glorified no. Hollywood-esque shit. We, we, we'll most likely hear about hooligans and idiots that decide to go to football games when the World Cup comes out. because. And it's going to Russia as well, so it's going to be really dangerous, yeah. Apparently every single England fan that goes to a national tournament is a hooligan and wants a building in the country. It's, it's not true, and the, but the media of England 
as wonderful as they are, they will spruce it up and go, everyone's a moron, every football fan is a hooligan. That's exactly what we'll see, and in the future we'll see all England football fans as hooligan. It's a repeated subject that will just keep going round and round and round. Like Mr Deacon, I have been to many uh, games where it's been violent. I have, I've never been in a fight myself. I mean, look at me. Do I look like I'm a person? Well, this is what I say, an opposite attack. It's that opposite attack thing again, the opposite attack. Taking the mick, you know, we've got fucking Mr. I do fucking, I don't know, algebra on my... Uh, what's it called? What's they? What are they called? The wooden. Um, the counting the things with the wooden thing. What's the thing? Where you got the little beads? Uh, yeah, I, what are they called? I know what you mean, yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah. So using one of those. Yeah, yeah. Using one of those to count and shit. He's blatantly one of those types of guys, you know. And then there's me. Who, I said I've gotten into multiple fights and I've got all the chipped teeth oh. and shit. So yeah, no, I can understand where Amy's coming from, and obviously being an advocate of good mental health. Um, I'd love to um, bring into the topic um, the football and how and and depression. Um, I hear and see a lot of times where, um, especially especially men, um, don't get a lot of help. Um, there was a there was a thing in London about two weeks ago, um, talking about the topic of male suicide. Um, male suicide is is huge. It's the it's. It's bigger than female suicide. I'm not saying it's less important, but I'm saying they don't get they don't get enough attention um, and and help out there. There's the the first male uh, domestic violence uh, safe house is finally open, and it's taken this long. Um, you know that isn't there's not enough out there. But uh, there was a there was a male suicide uh, awareness program where male silhouette figures were put on the tops of buildings in London to signify uh, people jumping off the buildings and killing themselves. Uh, more males uh, kill themselves in London than in any other city in the entire on the entire planet. It's a scary, scary statistic, um, but not a lot of people like to talk about it. Hence the reason why they had to go to such an extreme to get people's awareness and to talk about it. Um, I, I don't believe it's talk, sp spoken about enough. And what frustrates me is everybody can have depression, regardless of whether you're rich, famous, or you're living on the dole and McDonald's is your mecca. Um, you know, depression affects everybody differently. Everybody differently. And the problem is with depression is it's not a physical problem. Uh, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a leg missing, They'll, people will see that you've got a leg missing and see that, oh, their life must be quite tough because they've got a leg missing. But if you've got depression or any sort, sort of severe mental disabilities, you, you generally can't see those and you're judged purely based on what you see as that person and not generally what's going on, uh, what's, what's happened to them in their past or what's going on to them currently. Um, the problem is as well with football is, once again, it's that, that thing of, you know, if you're rich and you're famous, you shouldn't be depressed. Um, with football, is it happens quite a lot, and we've seen it time and time again. Um, with obviously one of the biggest being Mr. Gary Lineker, uh, sorry, not Gary Lineker, uh, Gaza, sorry, um, not Gary Lineker, Gaza. Um, Gaza, you know, there was even a quite, a, uh, quite, a, you know, quite a few documentaries about him, how he lost his family, you know, turned to drink. Um, it's happened to quite a lot of football players. When you break it down, like how I'm going to basically say it. So when you jo when you start as a footballer, and I'm sure, Ryan, you can concur and agree with all of this, uh, everything's sorted out for you. When you first start to get noticed as a 12 to 13, 14-year-old kid, or even younger, an agent will basically come to your house and say, right, 
we want this kid on our books. You could be nine years old. You'd be living on an estate. The guy, the agent will come to you and go, this kid's got great potential. You know, reading the stars and, and, the, and presenting the moon to the family. And the family are like, oh my God, you know, this could get us out of financial debt. We could end up having a, you know, fairly decent life. Um, you know, and the agent will say, we'll pay for the kid's uh, college, university funds. We'll pay your mortgage off. We'll get the brother a car and all this blah, blah, blah. They'll get all of that. It happens quite a lot where agents will basically take a punt on a young child to, to basically get them on their books, to basically own them, okay? That's basically what's happening here. Football players are owned um, with contracts. They're not allowed to do certain things, say certain things, wear certain things, smoke certain things, you know, take certain things, drink certain things, eat certain things. They're not allowed to or go certain places or, you know, anything of the type. Football players owning motorcycles. It's unheard of because it's too dangerous. Uh, you know, football players, you know, going out for going on holiday three times a year doesn't happen. Sometimes players like Alexis Sanchez hadn't gone on holiday for like two, three years because he had to go and do, uh, you know, other tournaments that weren't the World Cup or the European Cup. Um, what happens is throughout your entire life, everything's done for you. So when you then become get your first professional contract, um, the club Say, for example, you were an Italian 18-year-old kid and you'd made the move to the Premier League. The Premier League club would pay for your home, uh, i.e. have living uh, accommodations for you uh, until you had enough money to, be, uh, money to be able to buy your own property. Um, you would be given a phone, you would be given a car, you would be given uh, English lessons, you would be given uh, sort of a PA, a personal assistant to look after your every women need. Your agent would pay off all your pay all your taxes, and that's the reason why you see a lot of players getting caught with tax fraud. It's because their agents are the dodgy ones, not necessarily the player. Um, the issue here is everything's done for you from a very, very, very young age. You're then 30 to 35 years old. You're now retiring from football. Your agent is now going, well, it's been a blast. It's been great, but take care. See you later. They're not going to be looking after a prized asset unless you're possibly going into the punting game. You know, uh, being a pundit or, uh, you know, doing anything related to football or being, you know, football sports presenter or anything like that or an analyst. The problem is when you're let go uh, from your agent, you have to then fend for yourself. And I know what you're saying, you're a 30-year-old man, you should be fending for yourself. But when everything's done for you and you've got the money to pay for it, then it becomes a, a stark reality when you become a retired football player and you're wondering, where do I go to go and update my passport? Uh, how do I pay, uh, you know, how do I get a new mobile phone? You know, the things that we all take for granted. These are the things that players start to really realize that, uh, you know, they find difficult. Then also you're told when you're 33, 34, 35, you're not being paid to play football anymore. Let's all take into account that we're being given our dream and we're being paid to live out our dreams every single day. Then it gets taken away from us without any sort of regard. And we believe still that we can possibly still do it to a certain degree. That's taken away from you. What do you then fill up with uh, your life with? It's like people that are retired, you know, the olden goldies, they're retired. They, what do they do to fill up their life? You ask how many people that are retired that had such a fulfilling life, uh, you know, working in such an amazing career that they had to retire because of issues or they just, you know, just got too old. Ask them, how happy are they? They're all depressed because they don't know what to do with themselves. They're all bored. Football players are the same. This is when they start to turn to drink. And they start to gamble and they start to do all these things because they're trying to fill their life up with things to try and get themselves out of this rut. 
And that's the problem that people don't talk about nowadays. Not only just male depression, but also ex-football players that have been hit by depression. Um, there are there are a few there's a few uh, organisations out there that offer help and advice, but one they don't go to the player to offer the advice, and two the agent's not there to help the player and say that's where the advice is coming from. So it becomes really really difficult. It becomes a a, a horrid cycle of uh, of just you know uh, domestic violence, uh, drinking, uh, you know solvent abuse, uh, maybe even drug abuse, gambling fighting you know a multitude of different things you know it's it's a huge issue and it's something that people don't generally talk about and i think it's a massive situation where people online should really think about what they say to certain people because it can really affect somebody's life um especially if you if they're rich and famous just because they're rich and famous doesn't mean that words can't hurt so just bear that in mind next time when you at someone when they frustrated you but that's my that's my little rant on uh, football and depression. Because uh, I feel like I needed to say that. But there we go. Rant, rant over. Yes, rant over. Rant over. So, uh, what uh, question? another question here. Uh, Craig on Discord, thank you for the question. Uh, Amy, thank you for your question, by the way. It was a, it was a great topic to, to bring in, especially in times where football gets looked down upon. Um, what do you make of Spurs and getting a goal given to Harry? Well, they're trying to get a goal given to Harry Kane. And as I said, that was Craig on Discord. What do you make of that? We, we obviously, we discussed it in the podcast. But yeah, it's, it's a completely ridiculous notion, isn't it? To be honest with you. It's, it's, what a waste of time. What a waste of time. They really, they really, they really want a title. Go win the Premier League. Go win the FA Cup. Win or the even, the cup. even the League Cup. Even the League Cup. It was yeah. It's 10 years since they won a cup. You need to, you know, even the League Cup, you need to go and win that. So, yeah, we want, uh, we want someone to win the Golden Boot. That's for him, it's not for you. You don't put that in the then trophy we, then cabinet. We said, then, then, then we said that Harry Kane... Might have been the one to instigate it. But then it would, it would make sense if that was the case. Exactly. Uh, and the last question. Do you want to chuck that one out? So, ooh, I think we have uh, discussed this before. Rumours on Conte leaving... Yeah, there was a uh, yeah, there were some rumours. There were some rumours flying around. Apparently, uh, there was a bit of a bust up with Rudiger. Um, a few of the other players. It's not unheard of for the Chelsea players to completely boycott a manager, Mourinho, um, and basically just kick them out. Uh, betting apparently has been suspended. Um, uh, uh, Tony Conte leaving after sack claims. So uh, there's lots of rumours going around at the moment that apparently uh, Antonio Conte has left Chelsea. Uh, shock reports claim that the Blues boss has gone today. That was yesterday. Nothing's been confirmed today. Um, but I believe that uh, sometimes when you say no news is good news is not necessarily the correct way to put it. I believe that if uh, Antonio Conte was still at the club, I think Chelsea would have maybe said something by now. What do you make of that? It's a funny situation. It's a situation been, I think, boiling for quite a while this season. And I, but it's like the Man honestly, City I, thing. It's an inevitable. It's an inevitability. I know. I, I, at the end of the season, I can either take a... I've had enough. This is bullshit. I don't want to be around this poisonous atmosphere. Or the club just... Maybe goes, stay away from football then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Clearly, clearly you're not getting on with the players and the players aren't getting on with you. I think it's best we part ways and you 
leave the club. But then the big question is who takes over from Conte? Sure. Sure. That's, that's maybe a question. Well, obviously, know. there's a lot of talk of Juventus, okay. uh, uh, Allegri uh, leaving to, uh, Juventus to go to Chelsea. Maybe that's a thing. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. It's pretty much like Man City winning the league. Antonio Conte is going to be leaving Chelsea. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, not if. Um, but that's all of the questions. Thank you very much for all of those. I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much for everybody that tuned in live. You're all beautiful human beings. Thank you so much. And thank you very much for uh, downloading the podcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud or any other uh, format that you use. We really do appreciate all of your support. If you haven't already, maybe hit us up with a like, subscribe on all of the platforms. Maybe, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at Just Deacon. And you can also follow the podcast at Opposite underscore Attack. Ryan, chuck your chuck your handle out. I'll get it right this week. It's at the underscore FM. No, I don't get it right. Oh, brilliant. Wow. <laughs> You're impressive, dude. You're impressive. <laughs> I am brilliant. At the FM underscore teacher. There we go. He's, he's, only gone and, he's only gone and got his own handle correct <laughs> after the second or third try. So that's impressive. With you should actually, do you know what we should actually do that just for your sake? Um, but uh, yes, uh, another another brilliant podcast, another another lots of lots of stuff to uh, discuss and and to go over. Obviously, there's a lot of interesting games coming up now. We're going to be seeing uh, the second legs of the Champions League and the Europa League for Chelsea. Uh, sorry for for Man City in the Liverpool game, which is going to be probably the biggest game of the of the season so far. And also Arsenal, are they going to be getting through against CSK Moscow? Yes, they are. Uh, to go through to the next round of the Europa League. And obviously we've got then the uh, Premier League games on the weekend. So we're going to be discussing all of that and more in next week's uh, podcast, episode five of The Opposites Attack. Have a beautiful day. Take care. Toodles. ta